This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Market rate, £3,000 a day. Were you signing Lionel Messi? This is First Minister's questions. Just once, just once, it would be nice to get a First Minister's answer. For Douglas Ross to stand there and talk about losing grip of a party when he's been leader, Conservatives have had the longest attempted coup in Scottish political history. The Steamy, a laudable production for the Scotsman. Hello and welcome to The Steamy, the Scotsman's politics podcast. I'm Alistair Grant, the Scotsman's political editor, and I'm joined by Rachel Amory, the Scotsman's political correspondent, to discuss the latest goings-on in Scottish politics. And this week, to be honest, there's really only one story in town, and that's the, the ongoing row over WhatsApp messages sent by senior figures in the Scottish government during the COVID pandemic. Now, this exploded into the headlines last week. We actually discussed it on last week's podcast after the Scottish Government was criticised at the UK COVID inquiry for failing to provide WhatsApp messages. Uh, we had Jamie Dawson, KC, counsel to the inquiry, saying that no messages from the Scottish Government had yet been provided. We then had a situation where the Scottish Government said it was effectively requesting a special legal order to allow it to hand over WhatsApp messages without having to worry about things like data protection issues. That has now happened, and the Government is in the process of providing 14,000 WhatsApp messages to the UK inquiry. But I think it's fair to say there's still a lot of unanswered questions, not least around Nicola Sturgeon, the former First Minister, and whether or not she deleted some or all of her WhatsApp messages. She was asked about this by journalists in the Scottish Parliament a few days ago, earlier on this week as we're recording this. And effectively, I think she was asked four times whether or not she deleted WhatsApp messages and essentially she refused to kind of con- confirm or deny that. These were reports that were in the Sunday papers at the weekend. Uh, Hamza Yusuf has said he's retained his messages, that he's willing to hand them over. Kate Forbes, the former finance secretary, has said the same. But when it comes to Nicola Sturgeon, perhaps the key figure of the COVID pandemic, the one whose messages people will naturally be most interested in, we still don't have answers around that. Now, this came up at First Minister's questions today, didn't it, Rachel? Yeah, again, Douglas Ross from the Conservatives and Anna Sarr from Labour both questioning Hamza Youssef at FMQs today. So again, we're kind of talking about the same thing as we were talking about last week, but a whole week now. I think instead of it being cleared up and uh, getting a bit more clarity on what's actually going on, instead in the past week it's grown arms and legs and got more complicated, more convoluted, more murky. Um, We don't have any sort of clear answers. And like you said, the big question is, what happened to Nicola Sturgeon's messages because she she was the face of the government's COVID response. She was on the tellies every day, as has been pointed out quite a lot of times by Hamza Youssef. <laughs> so people will be quite keen to see what is in her messages. And as you said, she's been asked multiple times, hasn't given a straight answer there. And I feel like if she hadn't deleted the messages, she would know that and she would just say, surely. 
It does seem a bit strange not yeah. to not to answer it. I thought it was interesting how strong some of Douglas Ross's language was around this yes. during First Minister's questions. I mean, I think he said he drew attention to that Scottish government policy that I think effectively says when it comes to business conversations and informal messaging services such as WhatsApp, that they should be deleted after, I think, at least monthly with kind of key decisions noted, put into the official record, but the messages themselves should be deleted. I think that's government guidance. And Douglas Ross was effectively comparing this to building a bonfire to torch the evidence. Yes, which very very apt given it's bonfire night in a few days. But yeah, it's one of these things where they've been continually saying, you know, it's not up to the government to decide what is relevant here. It's up to the judges in the inquiry. But surely that policy is giving it down to the individual ministers to decide themselves what they think is important enough to be kept on record. It's very much sort of relying, the onus is on them to, to do it properly, as opposed to someone saying, you know, this is actually, I'm an independent sort of witness here and this is what's important, not this and not that. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on in the future. I'm sure a lot of these messages that were sent during COVID will be of absolutely no consequence to the inquiry whatsoever, because as, as uh, the Deputy First Minister Shona Robinson was saying, you know, a lot of it was people sharing pictures of their children, people asking how their day was going, just general chit-chat, because obviously they weren't in person, so just general office chit-chat would have been on these messages. But that's the question, is there messages of more consequence in amongst all of this? That's what we don't know yet. And how damaging do you think this is for the Scottish government? I mean, both Douglas Ross, the Scottish Conservative leader, and Anna Sarwar, the Scottish Labour leader, went in on this mm-hmm. in First Minister's questions. You can sense that the opposition parties really feel like this is a, a kind of weak area for the government. It plays into wider concerns around transparency, something we've highlighted in the Scotsman repeatedly in the past. Do you think this is cutting through with the public? Do you think people will be looking at this and kind of raising their eyebrows? I think there's sort of two ways to sort of look at it there because I think general, I saw, I saw a recent poll which was suggesting that the Scottish public still think favourably of the Scottish government when it comes to how they handled the pandemic. It's a lot more favourable compared to how people think of the UK government's handling of the inquiry. So that's something that's going to have to be kept in mind. People still think it, the government did well and will that public perception now decrease on the back of all of this. One thing I thought was quite interesting was I, I was at a medical appointment earlier this week and I was speaking to the nurse. She was very, very, very intrigued by the fact that we did politics um, and she was wanting to ask all about these WhatsApp messages. I said, well, what's your thoughts on this? Like, what do you think about all of this? And she thinks, I don't, I genuinely don't think there'll be anything of consequence in these messages. I don't think it's a big deal. So that's somebody who worked in the medical sector during the pandemic who, who isn't actually that bothered by it. So that, I thought that was quite interesting. I was quite surprised at that. Yeah, yeah. I think it's probably worth touching on some of the events that have happened before FMQs this week. So in particular, we obviously had, as I say, journalists trying to get answers out of Nicola Sturgeon as to whether or not she deleted those WhatsApp messages. But we also had the intervention, which I think was quite notable the other day from Kate Forbes, mm. the former finance secretary, obviously a former leadership candidate in the SNP, who uh, essentially spoke to journalists on the way into the chamber in the Scottish Parliament uh, and kind of made it quite clear, you know, that she had retained all her messages. She still had them all. She was quite happy to hand over anything to the inquiry. Uh, I think she said something like that she was conscious at the time that there would probably be a public inquiry into this and the kind of importance of retaining information around that. Which is interesting because our understanding is that government policy was to delete those messages. Exactly, yeah. So that suggests that Hamza Yusuf and Kate Forbes while probably have done the right thing because all their messages are now there for the inquiry, have 
potentially done the wrong thing by not following government guidance. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And these policies, the government's policy seems to be completely reliant on individual discretion, essentially, your mm. own judgment as to what is an important mm -hmm. thing that needs to be put on the official record and what doesn't. So there's no, or certainly seems from an outsider's perspective, you know, from a journalist covering this, there's no scrutiny on that, really. We don't really know what they consider to be important or not. And I think the Scottish government's been quite clear, or Hamza Yusuf's been clear that you know, the Scottish government didn't routinely make decisions via WhatsApp. But of course, we're not talking about decisions as such. I mean, we all know the decisions that were taken during COVID. We, we lived through it. We know what the government did to some degree. We're almost, it's kind of, the point of interest is perhaps some of those conversations that were happening around the decisions, how the, that decision-making process was gone about, you know, the kind of conversations behind the scenes. Uh, and I think if we don't have access to those messages, if they've now gone we're probably losing a potential treasure trove of information about how the pandemic played out in real time. Well, if you look at the UK COVID inquiry this week, we've had um, evidence and messages from Dominic Cummings, for example, a few other sort of um, high profile names within the UK government side of things. I mean, those messages as well, as, as much as they're just sort of juicy gossip, it does also really highlight sort of the, the culture and the way things were, the way just everything worked in Downing Street during the pandemic, which just sort of feeds into the wider the wider sort of perception of how things were handled. So even though those messages from Dominic Cummings with lots of expletives in them in the UK COVID inquiry were quite sort of, I mean, a bit of a bit of sort of shocking, maybe a bit funny, it does show a wider problem with the culture during the time at Downing Street. So that could perhaps be reflected in the Scottish government as messages as well. It's not necessarily the decisions, it's sort of more the atmosphere, the relationships, the culture, all of those sort of things that we might be able to see from these messages. Yeah. And we both obviously cover politics. We know how important WhatsApp is to <laughs> the political world. It really is, you know, one of the key kind of ways that people communicate in politics. And I think that's probably particularly true during the pandemic when people sometimes weren't in the same building a lot of the time. They were kind of doing things more remotely. I mean, don't want to disagree with the nurse you spoke to, but I find it hard to believe that there wouldn't be quite a lot of insights to be gathered from seeing those conversations behind the scenes in WhatsApp groups. And I thought it was interesting, actually, that we have a, a kind of post-FMQ's briefing that takes place shortly after the, the kind of main event in the chamber. And it was, to be honest, quite tortuous today. It went on for about... Very long today. It was yeah. almost an hour, I think, 50 minutes. Went on for a long time. Yeah. There's a lot of kind of going around in circles... It's kind of an opportunity for journalists to ask questions of the First Minister's official spokesman. But one of the things they said that I thought was interesting was when it comes to these 14,000 WhatsApp messages that have been handed over or in the process of being handed over, they kind of said that those were, they defined them as a kind of corporate side of this. I don't like that word because that word could mean anything, couldn't it? Yeah, and we were all, I mean, I was certainly quite confused as to what distinction was being made here, but it sounds like those messages relate to WhatsApp groups that contained three or more people you know, at least one of whom was a civil servant or a special advisor. So they were almost kind of semi-official WhatsApp groups. And th those are all the messages that are being kind of collated from them, or at least some of them, uh, and that are being kind of handed over. But it doesn't include, you know, potential messages that were sent from one minister to another. So yes. there's a lot of stuff that's potentially missing from that. So, for example, well, we've got Nicola Sturgeon, the First Minister, Hamza Yusuf, the Health Secretary at the time, one message between just the two of them, does that mean that that message would not be included in that because it's not a group of three, it doesn't include a civil servant? Yeah, I mean, presumably. And now we've got, I think the, the distinction that was, they were at least kind of trying to make was that there's now a process of 
getting potentially those individual WhatsApps, people handing them over as individuals rather than, you know, through the Scottish government. But it just seems to be extremely, it's been very hard to get basic information when it comes to this, I think. I think that's the big problem here is we're also confused on this end of things. So, yeah, I don't know how anybody else is going to try and make heads or tails of this because it's just growing arms and legs. It's getting more and more confusing as it goes on. And the sheer volume um, of messages that we're sort of talking about is kind of hard to comprehend. But as another journalist pointed out, in the grand scale of things, 14,000 messages isn't actually all that many, even though it sounds like a lot. No. So I think when you actually break it down into calculations over the period of time we're talking about, it's something like the equivalent of one message for every week of that period of time. I know in my WhatsApp groups with my friends, so it's probably about one every five minutes, probably. So <laughs> just well I'm to sift through that. Yeah, because I think it came out in the hearings of the UK COVID inquiry that we're talking about almost 140 different WhatsApp groups in the Scottish oh, government. They've been lot. identified so far. And that's as I say, almost kind of in a semi-official capacity, but I imagine there'll be lots more kind of informal conversations going on between people. Do you think we will get to the bottom of this, get answers, or do you think we simply have to wait until people are called before the COVID inquiry, people like Nicola Sturgeon, and they have to then give evidence to that in person? Do you think that's do you think essentially that's when we'll start to actually get, get proper answers in this? One thing I do think is it's going to take years. So if we do get answers from it, I think we could be here in two years' time still talking about this and still not any further forward. Regardless of what happens, it's going to take an awful long time to get to the bottom of it. And speaking of COVID, obviously we have been covering things from a Scottish angle, from the kind of Scottish government's perspective, but we've had some fairly shocking, to be honest, evidence <laughs> has been coming out of the UK COVID inquiry down south in relation to the UK government, some of it extremely serious some of it, thinking particularly of Dominic Cummings' evidence that was more kind of outlandish, but obviously touching on very serious issues. And there's been lots of headlines in the back of that about claims about what people like Boris Johnson said during the pandemic. Alexander Brown, the Scotsman's Westminster correspondent, has the latest from that. Hello and welcome to the Westminster section of the podcast. My name is Alexander Brown, and this week the COVID inquiry escalated to the point where you begin to wonder if the UK government has any chance of maintaining itself at the next election. Dominic Cummings, best known for his brief foray to Barnard Castle to test his eyesight, gave evidence and remind us all why he is entertaining, why he's box office and why he's incredibly unsuited to being in a government or having a job with other people. At a deeply incendiary hearing, his messages were shown where he had described the then Deputy Cabinet Secretary as the C-word. He called ministers morons. He called them uh, the F-word, followed by pigs. He also called them C-words. He claimed Matt Hancock's decisions as Health Secretary were killing people and said numerous government departments were simply not fit for purpose. Asked about his language, where he'd frequently referred to women as the C-word, he said he wasn't misogynistic because actually he said far worse things about men. So that's sorted. Everything's fine. Dominic Cummings, proper ally. We also heard in the hearing from Helen McNamara, who was one of the country's highest ranking female officials, who told the UK COVID inquiry, sexism in number 10 damaged the response to the pandemic, with women sidelined from decision making and forced to turn off their screens during Zoom calls 
or to simply sit at the back, which is, you know, obviously incredibly, incredibly damning. She also said, in a sign of the scale of the rule breaking happening during COVID, that restrictions were, ba- were breached on a daily basis, just in the conduct of government b- business. Uh, she said she wasn't partying at number 10, though she was the person who brought the infamous karaoke machine, but that everyone knew, everyone was breaking the rules, which kind of, you know, makes Boris Johnson's claims that he had no idea about the parties when he got caught lying to Parliament look even more ridiculous. It also shows that you know, the government was a mess from top to bottom. I mean, she said that it took them seven months to get hand sanitizer in government departments. I mean, that is basic stuff. My mum posted me hand sanitizer. I'm sure it was possible for the government to have their parents post them some hand sanitizer. She also said that the, they were so out of touch, they, they couldn't comprehend the idea of people who didn't go to private schools and how they would then handle having to have their kids at home and teach them. Because it was, you know, the financial need, the need to have money uh, if you're not working, if you're self-employed, the need to have support. It was so alien to mention the government and even the Chancellor, now Prime Minister, Rishi Sunak, was accused of knowing that people needed money and it blocking it when it was advised by the experts. So all in all, it's remarkable to think that 100 Conservative MPs, after Liz Truss resigned, had signed papers to get Boris Johnson to come back. This is an incredibly damaging week for the government, despite there was an AI summit where Rishi Sunak had a cushy interview, perhaps for his next job with Elon Musk. But when you hear things like this, it's very hard to think it's not all going to be straight on leaflets of the SNP, of the Labour Party, of the Liberal Democrats. And you don't really know how the party come back from it. But I'm sure Rishi Sunak will say he had no idea and it, was none of, it wasn't his fault at both the King's speech and when PMQs returns next week when the Commons sits again off after their lovely little time off uh, prorogation. So stay tuned to Scotsman for that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you very much, Alex. Um, that's all we've got time for. Thank you very much for joining us on the Steamy. We'll be back at the, the same time next week. We've got our independence paper that's being released by the Scottish Government Tomorrow, actually, we're recording this on Thursday, so that'll be coming out on Friday as they continue to release kind of papers to do with independence. I'm sure there'll be lots of things happening next week. Join us then. Thanks very much. <laughs>